podcast. I'm Todd. I'm joined as always by my buddy Rob. What's up, Rob? Good evening, everyone. Yeah, hopefully we're getting this up a little early on Monday night. It's a good change for us. It is Tick Week, people. Um, it is now Richmond Week. So always exciting for Dukes everywhere, particularly out there at Bridgeforth East in the bread box in Richmond. As always, we are brought to you by Pale Fire Brewing in Harrisonburg, Virginia. You can go by the tap room and mention the podcast and you will get a free pint glass. And Rob and I are very excited. We're working on some things for homecoming weekend with Pale Fire. Hope to see a lot of you down there, particularly the night before the game. Uh, I think I talked about it a little too much this weekend, Rob, but uh, hopefully we'll oh, sorry. hopefully we'll get this together. Um, yeah, so I mean, for those of you, I know that all the fancy Dukes have to go to the like gala and the quad fest and all that stuff on Friday night, but Rob and I will be holding it down. Uh, with the regulars, yeah, the regular folks. That's right. With all the just all of our our people, re- real Topeka people. <laughs> real Topeka people. Yes, exactly. At uh, at Palefire the night before homecoming, we may tonight, depending on our um, our technical abilities, we may have a very special guest segment before the end of the podcast that we will layer in here for everyone's listening pleasure or horror uh, before the end of the night. As always, we're going to do four downs from the game this weekend. The big win over William and Mary to get the Dukes to three and one. We're going to do a couple concerns uh, heading into a big rivalry week. And we've got a really good overtime topic tonight. Uh, we had a lot of good suggestions tonight. And one of our longtime friends, I think, uh, provided a really good one for us to do. So thanks to everyone I saw this weekend before we get started. Uh, all my D-Lot crew, it is fun with uh, for those of people who or in D-Lot now, that is a full, legit tailgating lot with the numbered spaces now. So it was nice to see a big crowd out there. Big thanks to uh, my buddy Bob for the beverage I'm enjoying this evening. Can't thank you enough. And we hope, Rebecca, I hope you feel better. As I hope you get better by the time the Dukes are back at home next in two weeks. So good to see the Kazas. Rob, I got to watch the game with the Kazas for the most part this week. Oh, nice. Yeah, that was really great. So... Met some new folks. Whitney, wherever you are, good to meet you this weekend. Um, and looking forward to some great trips back a little later in the season. But, Rob, I don't know what I, – I, I'm anxious to get your take watching the game on TV a little bit tonight. Well, yeah. I mean, I guess the, the, my big impression, big takeaway is William & Mary was just like a nerdier Norfolk State. Like, there's <laughs> – there's, they're not good at, at, like, football stuff. Um <laughs> They they really they've got a lot of talent. Laycock is a good coach, and we've talked a lot about how maybe he's he's appears to have lost a little bit off his fastball. But the guy's been there for thirty nine years and largely thirty nine successful years. Mm-hmm. Um, I never recall a game against what I consider to be like the the core of the CAA. Right. Um, where it was that dominant? You know, like there there occasionally you'll have a. A newcomer, you know, in Albany, and as they're making the transition, or even for a number of years, Towson was really a non-factor, mm-hmm. and Jamie would go out and just take care of business, but not in that fashion. No. I mean, it just it it didn't even look fair. And I know I understand some people in the stadium were a little bit frustrated with the offense, and that's understandable. But I know conversing with other people who are watching on TV, it was just like you know, Jamie was absolutely dominant, was doing everything they clearly set out to do just plagued by a couple mistakes in the first half they still went into it 17 nothing but i was in no way shape or form thinking that was going to be anything less five score game right and then after the break it just 
they cut down on some of those mistakes, still made others, but won that thing going away. I mean, it was just it. It wasn't a fair fight. It, it should have been stopped early. Yeah, <laughs> uh, out of mercy, you know. And and it's weird. Like Sean Mitchell is arguably you know one of the top three or four Virginia high school quarterbacks mm-hmm. ever. And the poor guy looked lost. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I mean, I'm not a William Mary fan, but you'd hate to think that this is going to do damage and like ruin his confidence. I don't think it will. He's no. supposedly a super confident kid, got all the talent in the world, but he was, he was rushing throws. Jamie didn't get a lot of sacks. And that's something that maybe is a little bit concerning on paper. But if you watch the games, they're not getting sacks because quarterbacks see this pass rush coming and they just let it go. Yeah. I mean, yep. Mitchell was just getting rid of the ball, overthrowing his receivers by 10 yards. It wasn't that it was inaccurate. It was just like, I, I, we just got to end this. It ain't going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. It just, it, was really impressive in some ways, but also kind of boring in a lot of ways. Yeah, I, I talked to Chase Kitty. I saw him uh, pregame this week, and he covers FCS generally for Hero Sports, but he's uh, based in Harrisonburg and obviously an all-time Duke guy. So, you know, and he had talked about at CAA Media Day this summer. We talked to him after the Media Day this summer, and he had said that he thought William & Mary might really be in the wilderness this year yeah you know and that maybe they were actually the worst team in the conference so i'm trying not to get ahead of myself but yeah that was that was a uh, pretty sad from i mean it, it, it just it's just weird because i think of them as a team that you know despite last year um, even two years you know two years ago or to the most recent team to beat jmu i think of them kind of like i did with mickey jmu teams where like even when they're down it's not their year they're still competitive but they're not really a threat to go to the playoffs mm-hmm that this was not that sort of team. No, this was just not competitive. Yeah. And it's hard to say, I I don't know. I guess that's your kind of first down take there, Rob. But um, yeah, I guess if you want to do that. No, no, no. You can go ahead and take it. No, no. I mean, it's just, it was, I've never seen the gap between JMU and one of the old school CA rivals to be this large. Yeah. Um, And I just don't know. That's what I kind of got hopeful. And I got a little, I think all of us in the stands got a little carried away in the second half, thinking about JMU's potential this year. But maybe, I, I guess it remains to be seen whether that is JMU or that's William & Mary. So, or a little both. Or a little both, yeah. Because my first down was definitely this JMU defense. And I got to, you know, I went up to the game this week and drove home and got to listen to quite a bit of the post-game show on the JMU network up there with Dave Thomas and the guys. And this defense has a chance to be – a historic unit. It, they're just, it's unbelievable. I, I, I mean, William and Mary, what you were saying, Rob, they had no chance to do anything. Their best play was fake punt. Yep. They should have just run fake punt every play. Yep. I mean, it, it was that, it was that helpless for them. It really was. And I, I was riding home and I was thinking, I mean, one guy I want to point out in particular, I, I know that the sacks didn't come, but man, watching John Daka in person. Oh man. <laughs> I mean, he's electric, and yeah. he's, I mean, so quick off the ball and just such a problem. It, once he gets in the backfield, if they have not gotten rid of the ball, <laughs> he's just so much quicker than everybody else. And I was trying to think about JMU, and obviously they've had great players. I mean, you think about Arthur Motes and Sam Daniels and Lazat and just so many good players over the years. And, you know, Raven Green on the sidelines for the Packers right now, playing a lot of special teams. And I was trying to think if JMU's defense, you know, in past years, I think we thought 
man, if they lose a player or they lose two players, what are we going to, you know, where are they going to be then? And I was trying to think about who would be the one player on the defense that would really hurt this team if they lost them for any significant time. And it was funny. I, I started thinking through, I, I got to five names. And then I kind of realized like, if you've got five guys like that, I was thinking about Jimmy, Rondell Carter, Dimitri Holloway, D'Angelo Amos also for what he does on special teams and John Daka. But, yeah. you know, hopefully they don't lose any of those guys for any you know, long-term situation. But when you've got five guys like that, you, you can cover for, well, you know, and that, uh, before you can cover to, for, for Rashad Robinson. Yeah, Rashad exactly. Robinson going out. I mean, know, this is season. People are talking about like, oh, maybe JMU. I don't know what's up with the offense. And we'll get to that. You know, are they better than last year? Are they worse than last year? This is the third year of Bob Trot. And there's a lot of guys who know what they're doing out there. And I, I can't – this could be an historic year for JMU's defense. They have now given up it, – it's a weird season because they played state and they held a potential, you know, first, second – you know, first day NFL draft pick and that offense to 24 points. And since then they've given up seven points in the second half of a 52 nothing Robert Morris win. Well, Jimmy Moreland has outscored JMU's FS, FF, FCS That's opponents. That's right. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is just so exciting to see. And we've gotten spoiled with from Withers to Houston these first four years with what the offense has been. But – Well, what, <sighs> William Mary had three rushing first downs, two passing first downs. Yeah, and I just keep thinking – And that's, that's that. I mean, it's – I mean, I can't – do you – I'm, I will be very surprised if anyone scores more than 20 to 24 points against the Dukes. And that's not a high bar for the offense to have to clear. It's it, it just, this, this really could shape up. I, I think we're kind of underselling this team if we spend all our time talking about our concerns on the offensive side of the ball when they may not have to worry about that too much. So, like you said, 17 nothing and a half, and there were some missed opportunities there. But it's not like we thought, oh, this is going to be, you know, William & Mary's going to come back and score 20 points no, in the second half. No, there, there's no doubt. No, 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 no doubt whatsoever. So, yeah. How about you for second down, Rob? Um, I actually, this, this might go against some people, but I was really impressed, not with just Nooch's accuracy, but I'm seeing game-to-game improvement in him. Um, Absolutely. And, and, I mean, it's like – and there's things you and I were, were fans. We bought mm-hmm. in because we don't expect it to be a finished product. Nope. This is still a new offense for him. Uh, Memories like, oh, he's former starter. He started a handful of games at a different program in a different system. He's coming in. Um, it's a totally different, like it's a different system than he played. You know, people talked about in the big. There were a lot of concerns with him. You know, showing guys up and well, he just knocked that off last mm-hmm. week and, and did that. So. It's not like the guy listens to his critics, but he appears to be listening to his coaches who are mm-hmm. Um The big knock against him has been he doesn't take shots downfield. Well, he took a couple this week. Mm-hmm. And the other big knock has been, oh, he just tucks and runs. Mm-hmm. As soon as soon as pressure. Well, he tucked this time. Well, he didn't tuck. He ran this time, but kept his head up and extended plays and, and made some passes. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, heck, that bobbled snap for the touchdown to, to New Stapleton. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that was pretty neat. That shows some athleticism. So. I mean, he's not perfect, but this is the same crap that, that Shore put up with his first couple weeks. Like, he's never going to be Vadley. Well, move on. Right. Right. Brian Shore was Brian Shore. Vadley was Vadley. Rodney Allen's Ryland. Let's let Nooch be Nooch. Yep. And, I, yeah, he's not perfect, but 
we've seen four games from him. He seems to have added something to his game each contest. So I, I really – I think this guy is every bit good enough um, to, to win any game in FCS. And I'm really excited. I mean, he had one pick, but so what? It, was, it wasn't the smartest decision. He threw it into a place that – I'd be curious to hear your take, Todd, yeah. as the guy who played wide receiver. Yeah. Like, it looked like two receivers ran in the same route. Yep. The guy who picked off the ball came off the other receiver. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you can argue he shouldn't throw that, but that looked just kind of like a, a busted-up play altogether. Um, and for as much as – and I'm as big a Shore fan as you will find mm-hmm. – he threw picks left and right yeah. last week, yeah. you know, last year. It was just like, you just, it's like one, no big deal. And we know nobody minded. Same way we don't really mind as much when Radke misses a field goal. Right. Sure had that mentality, like, who cares what happened last drive? I'm going. Mm-hmm. So Nooch threw a pick. It's his first one. Um, I don't know. Some of the sky is falling at halftime when it was 17 nothing to me was just bewildering. Yeah, the, you're exactly right. And the Nooch was on my list as well for four downs for exactly what you said. It's his progression week to week. Uh, and it's that, you know, the first couple of weeks, I think we thought, and he acknowledged after the NC State game that his instinct when the play breaks down a little bit is to run right away mm-hmm. and that he knew he needed to learn that he needed to look to throw the ball and keep yeah. his head up. And this week he didn't make the right decision every play when he, you know, kept the play alive and looked to go downfield. Uh, there was, I don't know what quarter it was, maybe second quarter. There was a play where play kind of broke down and, there was probably a more open player eventually and he threw a different place, but you could tell that his, he was thinking the game correctly. And that was, he was trying to keep the play alive and trying to look downfield. And you're right. That first touchdown to Dylan Stapleton. I mean, we all love Cheetah, but this kid's going to play. Yeah. uh, It's nice to have him working into the mix. But well, the other thing about Nooch is, is the receivers are young and they're still not getting, tremendous separation i will say the one piece of william mary's team Mm -hmm. that exceeded my expectation was their defensive backs i thought they did a pretty good job hanging with jamie's receivers and forced them to at least make contested catches Mm -hmm. well i watched the second half down close to the field and mm -hmm. the one weird thing in this game and 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 i think this is where people also got to come back off the ledge with danucci is jamie could throw it to riley on every play yeah. Right. I mean, it's there every time. And you saw a little bit there early in the game where they decided, we'll just throw two or three in a row there. And they got a touchdown. And I think, Jamie, just they're not trying to do that right now. They don't need to do that against William and Mary in a game they went on to win 51-0. But as far as, like, working the ball downfield or looking for better options in the passing game, you know, when they get in a tight game, uh, he's going to have comfort from having the best player on the field on the outside when he needs to. I mean, I, I felt like watching that game, they could have thrown to Riley 15 times in this game. And yeah. they, there's no reason to do that against William Mary. So I, I'm not worried at all. I, I agree with you. I think that's a, Danucci was a, a positive, a step in the positive direction, despite yeah, some I mean, fans issues. Yeah. And it's a passing attack kind of in progress. There's a lot of new pieces mm-hmm. and they're kind of working around. I think seven different guys caught balls. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's yeah, it's not there yet. But this is the first CAA game, and the guy is hitting what over seventy percent of his passes. Yeah, exactly. And people are acting like, oh my gosh, he threw a pick. It's terrible. Or, oh. Right. You know, he threw a little behind the guy. Well, yeah, that happens. Uh-huh. I mean, there's a reason why guys are playing in college, not in the NFL. <laughs> That's right. You know, it's there's only so many guys that are going to thread the needle. Mm-hmm. It's not Kurt Warner out there every weekend. Nope. 
So for me, for third down, I want to highlight a couple young players, or at least players we haven't talked too much about. Uh, I thought about talking about the helmet and telling the old, the old, older fans, let it go. The helmet looked awesome up close. I could see why the players loved it. So that, it's really about players and recruits. It's not about us old fans. But I, I wanted to highlight uh, Mateo Jackson and Matt Terrell. Mm-hmm. Those are two guys that, you know, they're getting in the game right now. And like I said about, you know, is there a place where JMU could suffer a, a setback if they had a guy go down? It's so great to see guys like Jackson and Terrell. I mean, they look like they're ready to fill in with frontline guys if needed at linebacker and defensive line. So that, that was just really exciting. I mean, I know Terrell had a couple of tackles for loss. He had a sack. Uh, Jackson just Jackson was in early in the game, often in the game. He certainly seems to be the third guy. They're waiting on uh, Landon Word to come back. But after Holloway and Keyshawn Moore, Jackson is the next guy in. And uh, just they don't seem to miss a beat when those two guys are in. No, it's really it's something that you and I have been harping all along, but that competition in every spot mm-hmm. um, that really leads to the next guy up mentality where you don't notice the drop-off. I mean, it, it's funny, like, fans were complaining about some of the stalled drives, and you're like, it's third and fourth stringers in at that point. Right. right. You know, and, it's, and that's not necessarily expectations out of whack. I think that's actually why expectations are out of whack, because unless you're paying close attention, you don't notice when the backups come in. No. Nope. Not at all. You know, it's just, it's, it's a weird situation to be in, a good situation to be in, but um, there's a lot of depth on this team. Mm-hmm. Rob, you got a fourth down for us? Well, I guess just in general, I think you and I haven't talked about the game until we just got on this, right. this call, but I think we're coming from the same angle where, yeah, it was sometimes sloppy and there were plenty of mistakes and, you know, some points came off the board. And at the end, end of the day, it was still a 51 point shutout. So it's, I don't want to say get off the ledge, but more like, oh my gosh, this is great. Like you're expecting, certainly in the first CAA game, you would expect maybe, yeah, there's going to be mistakes and costly. And then that would maybe lead to a two touchdown win. And oh yeah, that's a great result. Right. But this, there, there were moments, there were stretches in this game yeah. where it just looked really not ugly, but it was just like things were falling apart. I mean, the, the, after the, touchdown came off the board and then they just went backwards and mm-hmm. then settled for a field goal things like that you're like man that's really costly well yeah it still was over a seven score game <laughs> right. you know it's like so it just shows again how good this team was on saturday that even with maybe their b plus game mm-hmm. it's they won by 51 51 yep. right i mean that's the most lopsided you know score in the history of the rivalry between these two teams mm-hmm. It's, it's just – it's absolutely astounding. They, um, they covered and hit the over by themselves. Yeah. So, yes. But, I mean, you would think 51-point win, you would think, oh, wow, mistake-free game. They must have just done everything correctly. Nope. And, no, they didn't. And that's actually good. You don't want them to peak. And I imagine the coaches, you know, the coaches are always going to find things that we as fans don't see and, you know, the film don't lie and everything. Mm-hmm. But there's definite – coaching points after this game yes and and it appears if you're basing on the leaders guys like nooch the guys are taking coaching and they're making those steps so it's kind of scary to think what this team could look like if it really played a mistake for your game or started hitting on all cylinders i think that's exactly right i'm just really hopeful and we've just started to take things for granted the last few years mm-hmm. about how good this team can be but it's possible it's not out of the question that this year's team is the best of the last three teams. Yeah. Like 
So for all the things they're not doing perfectly, let's not let's not get crazy here. Um, they're one and zero in CAA play. That's right. They're three and it one with a loss to FBS this and uh, yeah. you know seven points given up in three, well two two and a quarter other games. So with that, I guess we will move on to our two concerns. If there are, I, I got a couple. But uh, Rob, you want to take the first one here? Well, I guess my general concern is just continuing on what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Where expectation high expectations are fantastic and i love the fact that houston comes right out and says our goal is to win the caa and win the national championship it is absolutely awesome i mean from a from a standpoint of coaching and kind of leadership lessons that that i admire and that i look to in this program it's great Mm -hmm. but as a fan (laughs) i'm gonna get killed for this but in some ways, it's starting to ruin things. Like, <laughs> here we, no, I mean, here we are, like, on a oh, Saturday yeah. a Saturday afternoon in September. And yeah. normally, you know, the idea, if you would have told us a couple of years ago, Jamie's going to beat William Mary 51 nothing. Boom, where do we sign up? That's going to be, you know, great. Sure. What a day. Yeah. Oh, but all anybody's talking about is, oh, man, that, that throw in the third quarter, that ain't going to work in December. Right. Forget about that in Frisco. And it's like, we're not supposed to be there yet. Like, it's right. really cool to have high expectations. But it kind of concerns, and I'm doing it too. I'm not being like all you people. Right. I'm saying I am every bit a, a part of this. I'm saying we. And if you aren't like this, God bless you. Yeah. I, I hope to be more like you. Yeah. But it just stinks that everybody's just, we're viewing everything as if, well, this ain't going to work for Frisco. Well, we ain't in Frisco. Right. Who knows if we're going to get to Frisco. Right. So for one, enjoy it. But two, realize like these things are a progression. Mm-hmm. Teams get better. I mean, geez, look at the defense that won the national championship mm-hmm. in week three or week four. It was nowhere near here, but people nope. are just, it's just, right. it, it, it's really twisted in some ways. It is. the way we, it's, it's like we're not even enjoying things and everything comes down to what's going to happen in January. Yep. And I don't know. I, I, mean, I hope that we're there. I hope we're celebrating another national championship. And I'm not meaning to lower the bar. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just need to get some perspective. They've played three and a quarter games. Yeah. Um, and they've been pretty fun. But at times I feel like I'm certainly part of a part of this massive group, which is right. bigger than I'd like to admit, <laughs> that just can't enjoy it for what it is. Like there's no living in the moment and um, a complete loss of perspective by having these expectations set so high. So yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't want to like lower them, but it is concerning that we're – I don't want to look back years from now and be like, wow, I didn't really enjoy the ride. Right, when we're having an all-time yeah. period here. Yeah, and I thought about it, actually. I'm, I'm just as guilty, Rob. I was ri- driving up Saturday morning, and I realized, you know, I get back, and year by year, we kind of plan our games and what you and I can make or not make, depending on life and family and other things. And the last couple of years, we've started hoping there will be extra football at home in December. But I, I was riding up on Saturday, and I was thinking, you know, this is – this, this could be a blowout. Like, Jamie's going to win this game. I don't know if I should have made the trip sort of thing. Yeah. You know, and you're like, I should save up for real bigger games. Or, and, and then you start to think to yourself, what am I doing? Like, I got to enjoy this. Yeah. This is one of the, you know, three or four times a year that I get back and, and get to have a good time. And, yeah, I don't want to miss that. So I, I think that's right completely. So my second one, I, I sort of have two here. I want to – I'll have a funny one, non-football related. But – uh. I, I am a little – it's not a concern, and I trust the coaches completely. But they are going to – at some point, this running back rotation, you know, they're going to have to nail that down by the end of the season. You know, I'm not 
not freaking out about this, not being upset about it. But it is hard. I mean, I think we saw Trey Shark get a little more extended time this week, and his game seemed to pick up as he got more and more plays in the game. You know, it, it's just hard when they're trying to play so many guys. It feels like, you know, running backs are like any other position. They got to get a little bit of a rhythm. And they're still – I don't think Percy played much at all this week if I – I don't know. If he, he didn't have a carry. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Maybe he was on special teams. But the other – you know, and Jawan Hamilton didn't really play in the running game until later in the game. But even with the three guys at the top, it's hard for anyone, Carden or Marcus or Trey, to kind of get in rhythm when they're rotating backs like this. I know that the players seem to not have a problem with it. They understand that it's keeping them fresh for later in the season. You know, I, I guess I personally would like to see Marcus Marshall sort of take over, and maybe he will later in the season. I think you and I are both, you know, on yeah. record saying maybe he's the guy that if, you, if you're going to give a guy 20 carries, you know, he's probably the guy. I, set, but sat, maybe is, is yeah. it like a Tour de France thing where you've got some guys that are carrying the workload mm-hmm. and just set people up so when the time is right, your guy goes? Like, I kind of view that as Cardon Johnson is, is terrific back. Yes. Um, you know, one one of our favorites and great story. Love to see him back with the Dukes and in grad school and everything. But are they kind of setting it up to have him take the carries and then to flip those roles and maybe come playoff time? Here we are getting ahead of ourselves again. Yeah. Maybe that's when, when Marshall goes and he's got – from the benefit of maybe saving 60 carries over the year. Right. Is that going to be 60 more times he can carry it when they need him to? I don't know. That's My assumption has been that's what's going on. Yep. But not every game is going to be this easy no. for JMU. And you do kind of wonder in the back of your head, like, is it going to be a situation where – is it just going to happen one particular game? Okay, we're going to feed feed the hot hand. Mm-hmm. Or is it going to cause issues at some point? And it does seem to cause a little bit of trouble in the red zone. Yeah, and it's and it's also goes to the O-line too, right? Yeah. It's just the timing of everything. And those guys are working to gel this year. And that's a younger group. And – I. I have full confidence they're going to be fine when the time comes, but it is still, you can just see that it's just a step off, you know? And I think at some point they're going to have to kind of settle in on a roles. And I, I, I mean, I don't know what else to say about it. I, I, I do trust, certainly trust Houston and Kirkpatrick and the staff, uh, but that's just something, you know, they're not quite clicking. And part of it, I think is because they're playing so many different players, not getting in rhythm. So about all yeah and it's one of those things where it's it's kind of a no-win situation it is when you're beating teams like this so badly you can make the argument like oh that's the perfect chance to get somebody in but then it also is like god forbid somebody gets in. one of your you, you know your, your top guys gets injured in a blowout people are going to second guess you no matter what so yeah um, i don't know i trust the coaches know better than i do on this one and my little bonus concern is uh jmu promotions department you can't slip a beverage into the food race. What? <laughs> so, what would they do here? So for everybody that's been following this for a few years, JMU has a food race at the end of the third quarter. And then that whatever food wins will be at a, you know, extremely discounted price in the fourth quarter. And it's always been hot dog, hamburger, pizza, and popcorn. And so, lobster. Oh, lobster. lobster. Sorry. So they, lobster. I don't know. Maybe I'm no, no hamburger, hot dog, yeah. popcorn, lobster, yeah. And last year, everyone was very excited. Lobster finally won when they played Maine, and there actually were lobster rolls. And this week, Rob, they slipped a fifth thing in there, a Pepsi can. 
And, oh, and obviously, JMU has some kind of, you know, their Aramark concessions has gone with Pepsi the last couple of years. Oh, boo. Yeah, but so the soda wins the race. Like, you can't sl- oh. slip a beverage by us. No. Everybody in the crowd was like, come on. Particularly a Pepsi. Yeah, Pepsi's it, trash. Like a regular Pepsi, that's what I get for a dollar in the fourth quarter at oh, 7 o'clock terrible. at night? No, come on. That's no, terrible. That was just it. So major concern there. Get that fixed, JMU, right away. So Yeah, man, that's awful. Yeah. Rob, you want to introduce our elective sponsored by our good friend, Mike Evangelista? Yeah, Michael suggested this. I guess he said, in, in honor of William and Mary, the um, scholar athlete, <laughs> uh, we're, we're going we're gonna to throw them a little bit and talk about academics. So um, since you, neither you nor I had the same major, and I really don't remember a lot of my classes anyway, we're going to go with some of our favorite electives. Mm-hmm. So you, you want to lead it off? Sure. Um, and by that, academics is very much in quotes here. I took a class my freshman year. I still have no idea how we ended up in this class. It was definitely an 8 or 8.30 a.m. class. It was in Godwin, in the gym, and it was called Teaching Team Sports. And it was some kind of a kinesiology class, basically for people who want to be PE teachers. And it was hysterical. I don't even know. It was like they'd set up cones and teach you drills for all kinds of things, right? Back. Was it like sport specific or just like, no, it was all here's how to run people through yes. relay races. Yes. And for, it was a hysterical class because it was such a mix. And there were all these kind of, for me, it was really fun because there were all these older athletes who were kinesiology majors in it. That's, <laughs> that's where I met Karen Zarchin, which would lead to my, you know, sort of long-term obsession with the JMU field hockey and lacrosse programs. <laughs> but yeah, it was just, I'm like, how is this a class? I don't even remember what the exam was. I, I guess there's, there's a spot on the bingo card, people. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember. I was trying to think what the exam was. I guess it was some kind of, what are warm-up drills for a PE class or something? Yeah. Or was it like a practicum? But, Did you need to demonstrate how to, how to run people through a three-cone drill? Yes. All I remember is that we played a lot of basketball in the class. Oh, that, that ain't bad. Which was fine. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes we'd play like field hockey or something indoors, you know, in like cool. Godwin gym. But it was definitely funny. <laughs> yeah. I didn't take that one. No. That sounds like something I would have yeah. enjoyed. Um, I don't know. For me, I, I'm, I'll tell you what it was not, mm-hmm. was ballroom dancing. Oh, I got I got roped in, not roped into, but I signed up for that. Wait, is this some... this is one you enjoy? Oh no, no, hey, no, <laughs> hey, <laughs> terrible. I, I mean, I signed up for to I don't know with some girl or something like that, yeah. thinking it was be great. And I went the first time, and it was awful. But I was like, yeah, whatever, you know, maybe things will work out. And I remember she invited me over to her apartment, and we weren't seeing each other or anything. And she kind of just laid me down so we'd have a talk, and she gave me like all the reasons we weren't going to be dating, and it was like, <laughs> but we're not dating and eddie used to make fun of me he's like you got pre-dumped you're not even dating her and she dumped you <laughs> and i was like screw this and i went home and dropped the class um, oh because it was terrible but one that i did like and it wasn't particularly fluffy or anything and i just it, i signed up for it on on kind of a whim freshman year and really liked it was art history oh yeah um i don't really know anything about art but i felt like you know it's a good opportunity and we just sat in some room and I don't know, one of those buildings on the quad and you just went through slides. I mean, it was like, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the bad movies where it's like pitch black and they're just going through slides. We had this massive book and the exams were covering like 800 years and you'd have like 50 works of art and you'd have to give, you know, who a description of them. And 
it actually was really fun. Um, I really enjoyed it. it. It's given me this lifelong passion for art, which manifests itself in me going to the National Gallery like once a year <laughs> and, and getting bored after 15 minutes and running downstairs for gelato. But um, I don't know. It was a cool class. It exposed me a lot of things. And surprisingly enough, I do still recognize things. The off chance I go to a museum or, you know, I'm someplace I will check it out. But it was a cool class. And as a business major, it was so far away from what I did the rest of my time there. I definitely enjoyed it. And if I could go back, I think I would probably take more of my electives in that thing just for fun. Yeah. Just so I could know something about it. Well, I think it's funny. I mean, I was an English major, so I had the privilege of kind of taking more of that stuff. But yeah, mm -hmm. it's it's a reminder that let's not bury the liberal arts just yet here. Right? Well, I, I remember one thing from the class, like we would just sit there with these slides and you'd look at a lot of famous things mm -hmm. and everything or works of art and but a lot of it was really obscure and it was whatever you're there in a room full of 50 people so a lot of people have had different experiences and they've seen these things in person mm -hmm. and meanwhile we're in harrisonburg virginia as you know two hours from dc and they show a slide of the washington monument and this girl jumps up in all seriousness she's like i've seen that i've been there <laughs> Well, thank you. For that, like, man. We're like, yeah, that, that's great. So is everybody. And she was like ecstatic over it. Yeah. Um, oh, and a year later, that, that girl was in my dorm and she was late and should have broke up because she fell off the roof of the house in Dewey Beach. So <laughs> <Of course she laughs> do the math on that one. Go Dukes. Yeah. All right. um, yeah, I hadn't thought about worst elective. I definitely took astronomy thinking that was going to be a really cool class in the planetarium. It was like the hardest class I ever took. That was supposed to be torture. Yeah. yeah, it was like pure math. <laughs> You know, there's this. Well, that was like everybody who signed up for oceanography because they were idiotically thought it was marine biology. Right. And they're like, why are we learning about currents? I want to learn about octopus. <laughs> well, the best best elective I ever took at JMU, Rob, I, I don't know if you took this one. I know Jamie did. And this might be your best one. But the best one I ever took was river canoeing. No, I wish. I oh, so you had to go to class on Newman Lake every day for the whole semester <laughs> the river canoeing on newman correct Lake, just like and that. you had to like learn the parts of the canoe and how to say gunnel and you know different <laughs> you had to learn like 10 paddle strokes or something but at the end of the semester and so a it was pretty funny every week to go paddle on newman lake in the pouring rain but at the end of the semester you actually went out to the river and you had your final exam was the guy stood on the shore and like two of us had to get in the canoe and do all these strokes in the actual river, you know, moving water. And it was just this great day. I mean, the whole class went out on a bus and uh, I don't even, like, how did they even bring all that stuff? How did they get you? Did you just get a pass out of the rest of your classes or was it on a weekend? Yeah, I don't, it may have been like on a Friday or Saturday. Yeah, because it was definitely like a four hour thing. Yeah. And we went out and did a river trip and, it, you know, we it's great it's part of your tuition like oh yeah and you're for me who was you know grew up in fairfax didn't have a lot of exposure to all that stuff and then being down in the valley and just having all these great outdoor opportunities that was fantastic and uh you know i don't know if that's i guess i've kind of i mean i've kept paddling i have a kayak now and stuff but well, i mean it, it opened an interest or sparked an interest in the outdoors sure did and uh mission accomplished yeah, you know good class. class i know i've talked to jamie about that one so that was great how about you rob well i'm gonna go with same similarly um, <laughs> academically oriented i'm gonna go with skiing i was wondering I took if you took this yeah yeah no i definitely I, took that okay. i took it sophomore year and i guess it was second semester but only like the first half of the semester and it was nothing more than you know meet at massanutten at six o'clock and ski until 10 mm -hmm. um but it was great i mean it was 
people knock Massanet and I had a lot of fun there. Certainly icy and everything, but prepared me well when I went out to visit you yep. in Colorado and everything. Um, you can ski Massanut and you can kind of ski anywhere. And I know that sounds silly, but no, it's, it's just, true. it's like an ice skating rink mm-hmm. um, all the way down, but it was fun. And it definitely made me a much better skier. Yeah. I mean, I didn't take the class, but I pretty much learned to ski at Massanut. I mean, I had yeah. learned to ski a few times at Wintergreen as a kid, but yeah, when I moved out West, my real experience was Monday night madness at Massanutton. So it's a pretty good time. So I think that kind of takes us through tonight. Uh, Rob, I got a couple more things. Really cool announcement from JMU today that long, you know, huge JMU supporter Cliff Wood has been hired as the director of strategic revenues. He, this is a guy who has been very successful in his career, and this seems to be his retirement position. Um, strategic revenues is a fundraising for the American Athletic Conference or something like I'm making <laughs> that's not true, people. <laughs> um, but it certainly sounds like it's a really cool thing. And uh, really excited that they're moving in that direction. And thank you, Cliff, for being willing to take on that role. And, well, and, and from what I understand, this is a guy who's been successful enough where he doesn't need to work. That's so, right. Um, our retirement thing, we're saying like this is something he's doing out of passion. Mm-hmm. And and his love for JMU, which is pretty awesome. I mean, uh, uh, well, there's a lot of great people working at JMU, and both mm-hmm. in athletics and elsewhere. But to have a guy who, who for, by all accounts, has earned the right just to walk away and golf or fish or do whatever he wants, but to take on a pretty tough job um, and do it, you know, out of purely kind of goodness. He's getting paid, but it's it's really encouraging that guys like that are out there mm-hmm. and supporting the school one way or the other but then are able to kind of take this on as a second career is really, is really special. Yeah. It's a, it's a special time at JMU right now. Cause I think you're seeing a lot of this. We talked about Tim Miller, the new vice president for student affairs is a, you know, JMU alum. There's a lot of really, really talented and qualified people who have sort of have a special place in their hearts for JMU that are choosing to take their talents back there. And that's really, really cool uh, for the university right now. So, don't forget to go buy Pale Fire or pick up Pale Fire wherever you can find them, most anywhere throughout the Commonwealth. Rob, this is Richmond week. Uh, yeah. I think we are both planning to watch from afar this week. Yeah, I have um, youth soccer duties. <laughs> yes, Co- yes. Coaching the squad. So. But we will be there in spirit with all of the RVA Dukes who will certainly be take- hopefully taking over. Uh, let's Bridge- hope. Bridgeforth East. Bridgeforth East. Let's hope this is another shellacking of a old rival. I think one of the suggestions tonight was like, who's our new rival now that the teams that used to be don't beat us anymore. I would remind well, those people that Richmond has been right there with us the last few years. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I will say like as much, I really enjoy having William Mary as a conference mate Me too. And, and rival. I have all the respect in the world for that school. Yeah. Um, not really the case with how I feel about Richmond. No, not at all. But, but I will tell you, I don't think people will be as ho-hum about any sort of blowout win against Richmond. I, I think people will be kind of out for blood <laughs> in a good way. This will not be one people take for granted. Uh, I think people are plenty fired up and really ready to see, see JMU you know, take it to them. Absolutely. So, Rob, hopefully we will get to talk after a win over the ticks next week. We will see if we can layer in another little special addition to this show tonight. But in any case, we will be back talking with you all a week from tonight. Rob, I'll talk to you then. Yeah, beat RU. There you go. Go Dukes. (laughs)
Take it away. Thanks, dude. All right, guys, this is Zach, five-time JMU Sports Blog prediction winner <laughs> and reoccurring guest host. Here to tell you what's up this week with the Richmond Spatters and the JMU Dukes. First of all, do yourselves a favor. Actually, don't do yourself a favor. If you go over to the JMU, or sorry, the Richmond Sports place where the only things they can think of just call us are dillweeds and then they try to make fun of the amount of fbs transfers that we get as if that's some sort of bad thing and then they make fun of our fans for coming to games and being disappointing that we can't go to away games and follow our team and then their sensible fans make fun of those fans for saying hey idiots that's what we should be doing it's a whole big clusterfuck and it's really enjoyable to watch but it's also kind of depressing because these guys are supposed to be our big rivals these guys are supposed to be the things that get us up in the morning and wake up at 7 a.m. and shotgun a beer and say game day. But you know what? I'm just not feeling it this year. These guys have got no energy. They are admitting we're going to roll over them. Houston's staying in press conferences that we're not even going to practice this week because we're going to take a look at the tape and realize how terrible they are. Well, I don't know if he's wrong. I think we should take the week off and treat it as if it's a bye or maybe see if they only want to play one quarter because it's going to be 47 nothing after one quarter. So this one goes out there to all you true Richmond fans. You guys got to get your people together. I'm talking about Mo. I'm talking about my main man, number one Richmond fan. Satch. You know who I'm talking about. And, I, and Satch, look, Satch, you got to get your guys on the, on the, the board with what you guys are doing because there's a couple good outstanding Richmond fans. We need you. This rivalry needs you. You got to get it together. Otherwise, we're going to start <laughs> looking at ODU, somebody I don't know who we're going to look at. So uh, long term short, shout out to you guys. All the uh, Richmond fans, especially uh, Front Royal Spider U. I don't know what a dillweed is, man. I think it's something I put in, in some seasonings for a salad. So whatever you want to call us, go ahead. But it's, I guess that's a lot better than calling us Barney's. So all I'll say is Deuce win. By Come back, Spider Father. Go Deuce.